Hi, I'm Jessica, and welcome to today's podcast. We're going to be talking about basis. Um, Nick's going to get us kicked off. Maybe you've heard about basis, maybe you haven't. But before we jump in, um, we are going to post all of our links to social media below and also a link for you to sign up for our monthly newsletter if you want to keep up with any kind of tax laws and regulations. We keep you posted on all those sources. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Nick. Thanks, Jessica. So... This episode is going to be kind of something that maybe you've heard of, but you don't really understand what it is as a business owner or somebody who's involved, you know, in a partnership or a multi-member S corporation. Um, This applies to a wide variety of situations. However, I want to really focus on kind of the high level, make it a little more simple to understand, and that is basis. And so... That word you've probably heard before, and you might be wondering what that is, uh, why is it important, why do I need to keep up with it, and so hopefully after this episode you'll be able to um, have a better understanding for why it's important and what it it means. So we're going to focus on partnerships and multi-member S corporations today, and we're going to talk about basis and what that is. So I'll kind of start with explaining uh, partnership outside basis. And really what that means is it means a partner's investment interest in the partnership. And then for an S corporation, it essentially means the amount of stock that was, you know, originally purchased or, you know, invested at the beginning. Now, your basis is adjusted each year because it changes based on a lot of different items. And so we're going to dive into some of those items right now. So first off, like I mentioned, your basis will always start at zero. And then once you invest into, say, a partnership, you're putting either money, assets, um, and sometimes even services into the partnership, and those items are going to increase your basis. So just to make it simple, you've got someone, they decide to invest $100,000 into a partnership, so now they've put 100,000 of their cash in the partnership, so now their basis is 100,000. Mm-hmm. Well, throughout the year, you know, the partnership may have net income, net loss, um, and so that's going to change. And so the items that increase your basis are going, going to be those contributions, which, like I said, they can be cash contributions, property, or, or some type of fixed asset. They can also be services, the fair market value of services that the partner provides to partnership. Those are going to be your most common increases of basis. And then some of the decreases of basis would be if the partnership has losses, you know, instead of net income, maybe, you know, you're just getting started, you had a lot of startup expenses, so you have a net operating loss, that's going to decrease your basis in the partnership. Also, when you take money out, when you take distributions out of the partnership, that will decrease your basis. So, just a quick question. Mm-hmm. So like if my cash is at 10, 20,000 and you know, payroll's about to run for 30 and I need to put in $10,000 on my personal money, that would increase my basis. Yes, if you if you're having cash flow issues and you need to basically contribute $10,000 so that you can meet, you know, run your payroll for the mm-hmm. partnership, if only one of the partners puts that money in, then that partner's basis is going to increase by that contribution. Okay. And say another partner contributes services. 
mm-hmm. would those service services the value of those services would increase that partner's basis would that partner be taxed on the value of those services yes because those services um that you're really you know in this case in this example you're not really receiving the income because your your payment for your services is going back into the partnership as a contribution However, you do have to pay tax because that's ordinary income to that partner. So basically, to have basis in the partnership, you need to wait. Never mind. Have Add. previously taxed income going into the part into the partnership. Correct. So the the other items that might reduce your basis uh, that I didn't mention earlier would be non-deductible expenses. You know, so so really, um, you can kind of think of it as your business will have net income or net loss. So that'll either increase the basis or decrease the basis. But some of those expenses that are, you know, that aren't calculated into your net income are non-deductible, such as charitable, uh, charitable contributions, um, entertainment that's not deductible. So those items will decrease your basis, even though they're not decreasing your net income on the tax return. Another example of something that would decrease your um, basis would be, for this is kind of a different type of example, but it does happen frequently. Um, a partner will contribute maybe a fixed asset or property into a partnership. However, they have a liability on that. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have um, a tractor that they're going to contribute to the partnership. It's that the partner paid for it. However, they owe $20,000 still on that tractor. Well, yes, their contribution of the $50,000 increases their basis to $50,000, but because the partnership is now assuming that liability, their basis will decrease based on, um, you know, the percentage of that liability that's, that's being relieved from that partner. So, why do we need to keep track of this? Um, you know, a lot of people may not have ever even heard of this. You know, they just decide they want to start a business with a friend. They come up with um, what they think is fair. You know, they make their operating agreement. They have their initial contributions. But a lot of people may not realize that this is something that you need to keep up with. And so today, you know, there are a lot of reasons why it's important to keep up with it. But today I'd like to focus on a very common issue that we see, and that is losses in excess of your basis. So I, I've created an, an example that we'll put up on the screen, and I'm going to kind of talk through a, a year one and a year two scenario and show you why it's important to keep track of your basis. And then we can also talk about some ways to, um, to be able to take your losses um, and then also after that, we're going to dive into distribution. So we'll start with this example that's on the screen. And we're going to pretend that 2022 was the first year of this new partnership. And so we're just looking at Nick's, it's my um, outside basis. So we're going to pretend this is about me. Okay. And in, in 2022, I'm a 50% partner. And I contribute cash of $100,000 into a partnership. So I started this with my friend. I put $100,000 in. Then at the end of the year, uh, our net income was $10,000. Um, 
and actually our net income was $20,000, but 10,000 would be going to me because I'm a 50% partner. So now my basis is at 110,000. Well, I decided to take distributions of 50,000. So I decided to take 50,000 out. I only pay tax on my 10,000 of net income. So I'm taking out my 10,000 of net income, 40,000 of uh, my original cash contributions but we also had 10,000 of non-deductible expenses. Um, so let's say that was donations, um, entertainment, things that we didn't get to deduct in, on our tax return. So that was 20,000 actually, and my portion of it is 10,000. So after the addition items and the subtraction items, my outside basis at the end of the first year is now at 50,000. So now we move into 2023, and my outside basis in the partnership starts at 50,000. And in this situation, in 2023, we're, we're going to um, say that I had an, a net loss. The partnership had a net loss of $100,000. So I had a $50,000 uh, net loss. And then in addition to that, I took out $25,000. So I took out $25,000. I had a loss of fifty, dollars but my beginning basis was only fifty. dollars So in this situation, there's $25,000 that I've either taken out too much in distributions or a suspended loss situation. And so why might this have happened? How could I have taken out 25,000 in distributions if I had a 50,000 net loss? Well, what we see very often is the accelerated depreciation. Um, there's always a book, you know, there's a book tax difference or, or really a, from a cash flow perspective versus the tax return, when you take this accelerated depreciation on the tax return, it allows you to depreciate a fixed asset all in the first year, for example. And maybe you didn't pay full cash for it, you actually financed it through the partnership. And so this would be a situation where I'm taking a loss, but I also took distributions, and so my basis goes to zero, and I have this 25,000 of excess distributions that I've taken because I can only take out of the partnership the basis that I have. Mm. And so in this situation, I would actually need to pay tax on my excess distributions of 25000 and it would be at the tax rate of uh, the long-term capital gains. So it is at a preferential tax rate, but I do have to pay tax. The distributions, um, that's something we see very frequently, is you know I have... Um, the cash in the bank account to justify taking the cash out, but on my tax return, I'm taking that accelerated depreciation. So it, it you know, it kind of has this big effect on your basis statement. And so sometimes what will happen when you have that accelerated depreciation is you'll end up having these losses that you have to suspend and roll forward that you can't actually take in the current year because you don't have the basis for them. So what would be the difference between a suspended loss and uh, distributions in excess? And, yeah, that's and how a, they're handled from a tax perspective. Yeah, that's a great question. So let's talk about the distributions first. The distribution example would be kind of similar to the example we just looked at where my basis is essentially at zero, but I take out distributions in excess of what that basis is. And in this case, I have to get my basis back to zero because it can't be negative. So I have to recognize the 
excess distributions as taxable income. And like I said earlier, the good news about that though is they're taxed at the preferential rates. So sometimes if your income is low enough, that's 0%. However, um, oftentimes that's going to be taxed at 15 or 20%. Um, but that's the way you would get that basis back to zero. Now, sometimes in, uh, what will happen is you won't actually take any distributions out of the partnership, but you'll still have a loss in excess of your basis, maybe because of um, accelerated depreciation. And in this case, if you don't have the basis to take the loss, the loss would carry forward and you can't take it in the current year. However, if you financed some fixed assets, you're paying them off over five years, but you take all that depreciation at once, you take that accelerated bonus depreciation, for example, so your basis does go negative. You know, there's something called debt basis, and if you have recourse loans or loans that you're, you know, you as the partner are personally liable for, then that can actually increase your overall tax basis, and then as, um, as you have these losses, you, have you, have actually losses you actually can pull from your debt basis to take them. However, in the future, However, you'll have to future, replenish that, have debt to that debt basis with future income that you don't distribute. That don't That's a lot of info, lot and of I, info, I hope and that it's I not overwhelming not to hear all of this, but kind of a nice summarized version of that is you can't take more in losses than what you've invested. So you can't lose more money. If you think of it like you would a stock, if I buy $100 worth of stock, I can't lose $100. So, mm -hmm. so, right. So, right. if you paid so me back one hundred and fifty, and I've only got one hundred invested, then I've got fifty thousand dollars worth of income. So it's kind of the same so concept. Kind of the same I can't concept. lose more than I have invested, and I can't take back more than I have invested without recognizing income. So it is super important. People get all excited about their bonus depreciation, and hey, I've generated this loss, and I'm going to have all these losses to offset my ordinary income, and then they can't use them because they don't have basis, or they've taken out. All these, distributions, all these distributions and now they've got taxable income got and they don't realize it. So it is important so to is keep important just an ongoing um, year after year after year from the very beginning of your investment all the way through and adjust your basis each year. Mm -hmm. Adjust your stock basis, adjust your debt basis, your at-risk basis, and make sure, preferably before the end of the year, that you know what your basis is, how much you can take in losses, and how much you can take in distributions. And you can even, like Nick said, strategically take those distributions in a low-income year. You may end up, you know, taking out more distributions and, and having taxable income, but it's taxed at zero. So. so what if, you know, someone's ahead of the game, they come in October for tax planning yeah. for that year. <laughs> we like that. And they realize they've taken too many distributions. So what would be our advice to them at that point on how to handle it? Would it be to put more money back into the company or to project their net income for the rest of the year or how would that work? Yeah, that's a great question. So it kind of, it, it obviously depends on the individual, but if it's a situation where they took too many distributions and they um, didn't necessarily need to, they just have that money sitting in a bank account, then maybe it would be wise for them to invest that back into the, um, the partnership. Now, um, sometimes they took that money out for a reason, and they needed the money, um, they don't have the money laying around to put back in the partnership, and so in that situation, um, they may just have to, you know, 
pay the tax on it. And, and that's not always a bad thing. Like Mitzi said, you know, it might you might be able to pay some of that at zero percent. Um, they are taxed at the preferential rates, so so that's that's always nice. You know, another thing that you could think about too in this situation is maybe not take the bonus depreciation. Maybe elect out of it and take the you know normal um, maker's depreciation where you're spreading it out over maybe five years. Keep um, keep away from showing a loss and keep away from having uh, that basis. Um, or ha having losses or, or distributions and excesses basis. And if you get in a position where you absolutely have to take that distribution and maybe it's not a distribution, maybe you're just borrowing the money from your company, you can do that. So instead of taking the distribution, you take a loan from the company, you have an actual loan agreement, you um, impute interest on that loan at ordinary arm's length rates. Mm -hmm. That would be another way if, if you need to take the if you need cash out of the company, but you don't want to be taxed on the income, you could just loan yourself, and then you'd have to pay it back. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to treat it like an ordinary loan, just like you would any individual, but you can loan money to a partner or a shareholder. Yes, and, and that's another reason why it's so important to be keeping up with your basis each year, because you don't want to, you don't necessarily, you don't want to get to tax time and realize, oh, I took too much in distributions. Mm -hmm. Well, I should have set up this loan so that I wouldn't have to pay tax on it. But at that point, it's really too late because you needed to set up a formal loan agreement. You needed to have interest rates and payments and everything set up before you get to the following year and it's tax time. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's really wise to be keeping up with your basis. Um, for S-Corps, it's required now. And for, for those of you who are S-Corp um, you know, members, and especially if you're a multi-member, you probably have an accountant who's been helping you keep up with that on uh, the form 7203. Um, but for partnerships, it's very important you keep up with it as well. And um, it's something that will probably that I'm sure the IRS is going to uh, start requiring similar to the S corps uh, in the near future. Well, that sums up our episode about basis. I know that was a very complex topic. Uh, we just kind of sort over the high level basics of basis. So if you want more info, uh, please do send us a message, follow us on our social media. We'd be so happy to dive into that with you. Thanks, y'all. See you next time.